Bitmax Network Production. This is the Fly Moto 60 Show on ColtBitmax.com. Taking your calls and looking ahead to the, to the race with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Moto 60 Show. Fly Racing on board with us. It's Thursday. It's noon Pacific. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Utah National coming up here. Uh, we got a lot of talk about Utah National. We've got Jason Thomas to talk about it. We've got uh, Davey Millsaps and the uh, Rockstar team has switched to KTM. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, lots, lots to talk about. Battle for six in the 450 points. We're excited uh, fly Racing, the gear and helmet choice of Andrew Short, Trey Kennard, Weston Pike, Michael Byrne, and a whole host of other top-level athletes. Fly Racing, distributed exclusively in the United States by WPS, Western Power Sports, and available in 40-plus countries worldwide. Uh, this is the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show, presented by 810 Solutions. 810 Solutions is your one-stop source for the finest performance products for your body. 810 Solutions offers Rhino Power, proven performance supplements used by dozens of top motocross guys, as well as the Brop Energy Bars, and they are the uh, Southern United States distributor for Rhino Power Sports Supplement. Enter the code PULPMX at 810solutions, the number 8, 10solutions.com, to receive 15% off your entire order. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Got a good show lined up, and we're excited for the possibilities of what you could learn on this show. I'm Steve Mathis, taking your calls, producing the show, handling everything behind the scenes is uh, the producer. Tits Legendary Tits, what's up? Yo, uh, you looking forward to the Utah National? As much as any other national. Your guy Ryan Dungey took a beating at Unadilla. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He's got to get. He's got to. Got to reel this thing in. He, it if, may if be they, too late. If there were anywhere that he could do it, maybe it's Utah. Take solace in the fact tits that uh, Ryan Villapoto is getting some surgery, missing the motocross the nation. So uh-huh. Ryan Dungey will be Captain America. Uh, great. The you know what? I'll, I'll take it when I can get it, I guess. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> 702-586-7857. What do you think about Utah and what's going on? What do you think about Ryan Villapoto missing the motocross the nations and getting surgery? Let me know. What do you think of David Millsaps and the Rockstar Racing Team switching to KTM? Uh, call in now. 702-586-7857. we got a little bit of time before our first guest comes in, Jason Thomas. What we're, we're going to do this week Thanks to the folks at Fly Racing. Randomly select a caller, man. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just call in. You're going to get a folding aluminum loading ramp. You're going to get a, a bike stand and a set of fly tie-downs. $200 value. Uh, a stand, uh, a ramp, and tie-downs. Everything you need to get to the track to ride your dirt bike. Courtesy of the folks at Fly Racing. So, yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for them. Um, lots of belly aching about this Utah track. Obviously, it is a purpose-built track. It's at Miller Motorsports Park in uh, just outside of Salt Lake City. It's uh, It's got a lot of jumps. You know, it's got some elevation, but it's all man-made elevation. Uh, the dirt will be typical southwestern dirt. It, it probably won't be very good. Um, people are upset. It's not true motocross. It's not a true motocross facility. MX Sports is ruining the Nationals. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, 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 I mean, I don't think it's going to be the best race of the year, nor do I think it's going to be the best track. But, hey, they're trying something out. The facilities will be great. Uh, probably paved pits, um, great uh, press facilities, great uh, spectator viewing. 
Although it'll be tra- it'll be flat, you'll have some some decent stands to uh, watch from. Yes, it'll be hot, but it's been hot everywhere. Um, you know, it's something different they're trying. They're trying something else out. And for those folks that say that this is the way it's going, well, then what about Muddy Creek? That's a new track this year, Muddy Creek. And um, that's an old-style, traditional motocross track that the uh, series went to this year. And it was a great hit. The attendance was great. So I would hold off on the uh, MX Sports' ruining motocross angle of things that has people so upset about um, about Utah. But uh, uh, let's get to the phones and see what you what you think. Anthony, what's going on? Hey, Steve, how you doing, man? Good, thanks wanted for listening. I uh, wanted to weigh in on the track. I completely agree with you. Um, I was thinking just yesterday, you know, they, people people bitching about the tracks and everything. They added Muddy Creek. You know, that is that is a legit motocross track. And also, yeah. these people complaining about teams folding up and not enough rides for these top guys. They have to go to new parts of the country. Yeah. To, to to gain more sponsors and I'm in agreement with you. It might not be the best track in the world, but yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for them to get exposure where where there's never been tracks before, well, or at least recently. No, that's exactly it. You're you're totally right. And, and here's another thing to think about, Anthony. Is okay. So you know we have we have a sand track, although we're losing that. But we have a sand track. We have a lot of tracks that um, have the same sort of surface, the same sort of um, the same sort of uh, things that riders have to deal with. Well, you know what? To me, this Utah track, it's going to be a little more super cross-oriented. So maybe this track, you know, switches up some of the results because it's so jumpy and it's so southwestern dirt. Maybe this thing adds a wrinkle to the series because, I'm, I mean, we've, we've had 11 rounds of tilled up, watered East Coast, well, I should say 10 rounds, uh, Watered, dissed up East Coast uh, dirt, you know, and and it takes it takes a talent to to jump and to to be good at this surface that this Utah track is. So maybe maybe we see some different results because of this track. I I completely agree, and I was you know, I, I think a true testament to. I know a lot of people probably hate that I say this, but you know, if, if we're going to consider ourselves a legit motorsports sport, compare ourselves to NASCAR. Yeah, they have a lot of tracks that are the same, but yeah. they have tracks there that you turn left, and there's elevation changes. And NASCAR had to make these improvements to grow the sport, and so yeah. I, I I think it's a great step in the, in, well, in a positive direction. From what I get in talking to uh, Davey Coombs at MX Sports, they're not locked into this place. If it doesn't work, they'll go. They'll leave, you know? Um, so let's try it. Let's wait and see how it is this weekend before we judge it. I thought Elsinore last year, although it was hot as balls, um, and I would not – I had some shade, obviously, and some trucks to go into because I'm a member of the media. I'm not so sure how much I would have wanted to take my, my little kids or my, my family out to Elsinore to bake in the sun. But that had nothing to do with MX Sports. That's, it's just Southern California in August. you know. So the weather's going to be a factor, but, I, I mean, how can you expect MX Sports to control that? So besides that um, – I thought MX. I thought Elsinore. I thought it was good. It was surprisingly good. Um, I I had pretty low expectations, I guess, going in because we've all been to Elsinore. We've all ridden it. If you're uh, if you lived in California, like I did forever, but uh, um, I I thought it was okay. I thought it was an okay track. So, well, hey, thanks for the call, man. Have yeah, a good show. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. 
Uh, lines are jammed. Jay wants to talk about Millsaps. What's up, Jay? Hey, Steve, big fan of the show. Um, I was just curious, if Millsaps rides the new KTM and he's just not comfortable on it, is he still bound to that team, or does that kind of breach his contract and let him go look for a Suzuki ride somewhere else? Well, I had heard that he definitely, the contract was breached because the team was supposed to supply him with an RMZ 450. Uh, right. But, you know, he's already riding the KTM. There's photos of him. I would imagine this has already been all done behind the scenes, approved of, and he agreed to ride the KTM. You know, but oh, that's cool. but I definitely think that he could have gotten out of it had he had he wanted to. But I mean, really, when you look around for the 450 teams, there's not many rides out there. There's not many places Davey could have gone and say he loved the Suzuki. Well, then what? You know, um, there's not that many places that he could have gone. So obviously, he's happy with the KTM. Yeah. Well, let's hope it works out for him. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to thanks. see if he's as good. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, uh, Justin. What's happening? Thank you for listening to the Fly Racing. Moto 60 show presented by 810 Solutions. No problem, man. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question about Tomac and Roxon. With uh, Tomac pretty much having this thing wrapped up and Roxon winning Supercross, just curious, um, if you're one of them, which would you rather win? You know, does one pay better than the other? Does one look better on your resume? You, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, man. Um, you, you know what? I think for me, I think I put more – more weight on the outdoor title, you know, because everyone's in that class and it's 12 rounds, right. it's 24 motos. But but honestly, that's just me. I think yeah. that some teams and sponsors care more about the Supercross. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I figure with Tomac already having a Supercross title, he, you know, I'm sure he'd rather do outdoors, but yeah. it's a, is Supercross more high profile? I mean, I know both those guys have great teachers ahead of them and are right. going to have rides, but... Later no, down the road, I, you know, I, for other guys, does one help them get a ride more than the other? Uh, wouldn't, like it, wouldn't it be good, like, uh, you know, Roxon's moving up and Tomac's moving up. Wouldn't it be good to have on your resume a, a an outdoor national title? You know, like, that's something Dean Wilson yeah. doesn't have a Supercross title. And a lot of like people, like, people like to think talk about Dean, how he hasn't won anything. I've actually really heard that. That guy's never won anything. Well, he's got an outdoor title, and that is gnarly, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. But, you know what, you're right, though, some... Some fans, sponsors, they're just like, ah, if you haven't done it in Supercross, you haven't done anything. So, um, does, does one pay better than the other, you know, no, as far as a bonus? No, or is I that would, all just on your contract? No, I wouldn't think so. I think as bonus-wise, the championship's a championship, you know. Right, um, sure. either, either one, even though, you know, the Supercross one is theoretically weaker because you're splitting the talent in half. But I, it, right, it, it right. pays the same, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So, all right, man. Um, cool, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Uh, 702-586-7857. Uh, coming up with Jason Thomas, talk about Utah, talk about this rock star to KTM, talk about RV. Uh, he, J- Jason Thomas wrote an interesting column this week on uh, Racer X Breakdown where he looked at Eli Tomac's riding style and he made some good points. I, I want to talk to him about that as well. Um, but first, Nate. What's up, Nate? Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks for listening. Hey, hey great show. I mean, I wanted to touch a little bit more on the KTM thing with Davey Millsaps. I mean, I'm thinking if I'm Davey Millsaps, and I know why he might have had to do it, but I think I'm nervous. If I if I take my step, my riding up a, another level on the Suzuki, and then you know everything is going, my bike's good, my training's good, and all of a sudden I'm switching bikes again. You know whether I have to do it or not, I'm nervous. What do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. And did you see the photos of him on that thing? Yeah, he looks like he a looks monster. Huge on <laughs> He's like a monster on that bike. Yeah, um, absolutely. Y- you know what? I agree because it's a steel frame bike. 
it's uh, if you talk to a lot of guys like Andrew Short, the, the bike is different. It's a KTM. Obviously, they can win races. Ryan Dungey's shown that. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm a little nervous, no doubt. I mean, he, I mean, he was killing it on that Suzuki. I mean, killing it like next level. Like he went from mid pack to you know a top guy. I mean, I you know I just think and you know maybe they have it worked out. Maybe he feels better about it because guys like shorter on it and Dungey. But you know even I know Dungey had to go through a lot of R and D on it. But even it took him a little while to kind of get up to speed on it. So yeah, I mean I you know and then now he's missing the outdoor season. He's coming off an injury, coming off a new bike. I mean I think we see a new Davy Millsaps next year possibly. Uh, I I I agree with you. I think it's going to be a big change for him. Uh, I'm I'm trying to have him on the the Monday uh, Pulp Mex show. I gotta reach out to him and see if he wants to come on. But you know, yeah, the surgery he had was no joke. There's no there's no kidding about that. And yeah, man, he's gonna get used to the KTM. He's got to figure it out. He's got to um, you know deal with that a little bit. It's gonna be a different bike. Uh, I'll be impressed if he comes out next year on the KTM, wins a couple races like he did on Suzuki. Uh, and as, and as a podium guy every week, I'll be I'll be more than impressed. But I do think the odds are against that a little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, if he does come out and, and knock it out of the park, it'll be a testament to his mental toughness because, you know, we've always kind of heard that was a little bit of a detriment to him, and he kind of, yeah. you know, fixed that this year. And so, I mean, if he can, I mean, because you know, I think when Davy Millsaps is winning, I think it's good for the sport uh, not to always have the same guys. I mean, uh, I'm I'm a fan of him. I remember seeing him at at St. Louis Supercross when he was on the JGR team with uh, Stewart, and you got Stewart up front, and all the fans are wanting to talk to only him, and Davey Millsaps is sitting on the back of the trailer, and me and my son walked around there, and you know he talked to us for as long as we want. So it was really cool to see a guy like that really right. step up and, and get some recognition. So, I mean, I, I hope he can do it. No, I agree. When your teammates are Stewart, sometimes that's what happens. I know uh, Tim Ferry, when he rode, when he was teammates with Stewart, in the autograph line, people would come up to him, and, he, and then he'd be like, here's a poster, and they'd be like, I don't want one. Right, I'm, waiting, right. I'm waiting for James. So that happens. That happens when you're teammates with James Stewart. Um, no, it. Uh, we need it. We needed the parody in the sport. He led the man. He led the uh, points race for like eight weeks or nine weeks last year, like forever. Right. And that's awesome. That's exactly what we need in this sport. And you know, Trey Kennard will be back next year, and Justin Barsha will be back, and they'll be better. And uh, of course, Tomac and Roxon. It's going to be gnarly. It's going to be stacked. And I do. I think anybody can beat the Ryan's. Probably not. But uh, Davey came the closest out of anybody last year to doing that. So, sure. um, yeah, it's just going to be a big, a big switch for him. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, that, that was kind of what I had to say. All right, Nate, Hey, you're going to get the, uh, fly racing transport pit kit. Right? Awesome. A ramp, a bike stand and a set of tie downs, all courtesy of fly racing. Thank you. $200 value. Thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Uh, stay on hold and, uh, my producer will get, uh, get your info. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. So yeah, the interesting stuff, interesting points. More, more Millsaps and um, uh, rock, uh, Rockstar team switching to KTM than uh, Utah. I expected some Utah people to call in. Um, definitely people um, a little upset about that. Maybe it's just a vocal minority on the internet that I'm reading that more than anything, right? I think it's going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be fantastic. Um, lost in that Rockstar racing to KTM obviously Davey Millsaps, lost in that press release is the fact that uh, Blake Wharton, Ryan Sipes, and Nico Izzy were not mentioned in that. So uh, the team is going forward with Joey Savacci, who uh, is a KTM guy from the JDR team, and then he rode Nationals this year for FMF before getting hurt. He's going to be on the team. Jason Anderson is still on the team. And Anderson rode KTMs uh, as an amateur for a little bit. So 
um, he'll be on the team, and of course Millsaps. So they kind of took all the drama out of silly season already by just already announcing, you know, what was happening, who was on it, and uh, and all that, which I found a little strange. I thought it would be a little more of a buildup, but yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, hey, get, getting to our first guest, uh, our only guest on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show presented by 8, 810 Solutions is none other than uh, Fly Racing's own uh, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? What's going on? Did you find that weird also – the press release comes out that Rockstar Racing is switching to KTM, and they're just, oh, yeah, by the way, Savachi and Anderson and Millsaps. <laughs> it was um, kind of like like we're switching to KTM, which is definitely worthy of a press release, and then it was like, and these are our riders. Yeah, I, I mean, that was I, – I agree with you because I didn't even notice that. Like, I was kind of skimming through it real quick. <laughs> right. And then right. I read I read somewhere else that that were the riders. I'm like, huh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. You know, so I – completely see that you know it's obviously really early but and i think they kind of rushed it out there when the pictures uh surfaced but yeah um no i definitely have a point what do you uh so wharton uh sipes and izzy just see you later they're done um can you see those guys getting sipes has gone on record as saying he wants a 450 ride he's gone on record as saying that a lot of years but he definitely says it this year um what are those guys going to do? What's their options? Wharton had a, a won a race, unbelievably. People don't remember that, but Wharton won a Supercross race. Maybe should have won another. And uh, and is he uh, talented but blew out his knee? What do you see for those three guys? Um, I'm not really sure. You know, just to start, I, I kind of understand because when you're talking about the team dynamic it was before going to KTM support where you're going to have factory bikes, that really puts a strain on how many guys you can have. And there, it brings another, you know, piece to the equation of KTM obviously has say in who they want to help and all that kind of stuff and budgets and all that stuff. So uh, you, they really have to kind of be picky and choosy about who they want to hire. And then obviously KTM has to want to sign off on it. So, yeah. Um, but to your point of where they're going to go, um, you know, it's still so early. That That's the whole crazy part of this is it really has gotten later and later into the season when guys are signing over the last five or eight years. Um, so, even be worried about it in August, I think is it's you know there's there's too many things that still have to kind of be decided and yeah. and other guys that need to be signed still before they, they need to really panic. But uh, I definitely think the Sykes needs to kind of make that move to the 450 um, yeah. and at least try it, you know, and super cross right, right. the whole season. Yeah, he's, um, he's certainly talented enough to do some damage to to be a good rider, make a you know make a good yeah. living at it. Yeah, yeah, and I think those those guys are going to get something. Uh, it's just. You know, obviously the, the the premier guys are kind of full. Um, you've obviously seen this youth movement where there's so many young guys in with those spots now with, uh, you know, Yamaha's program of bringing guys up. And mm-hmm. um, KTM has obviously got uh, a pretty full plate now. They've got teams, you know, out the yin-yang now it seems like. So right. Um, right. I think, you know, those guys are kind of getting to the – the upper echelon of age of the lights class and then the 450 class, obviously we've seen so, you know, so far this year it's so deep and uh, there's so much talent in that class. There's, you know, normally before there would be uh, teams would be clamoring for guys to move up because they were, they were really, really good. Well now yeah. uh, the 450 class is so deep. You're not seeing that, you know, desperation for teams to hire somebody, you know, they're all pretty full and they're all really deep. So yep. it makes it up. Yeah. Will Hahn, 450 Supercross, Eli Tomac, Ken Roxon, all moving up. Uh, Ryan Sipes, yep. you know, wants to move up like we just talked about. So, man, there's there's four or five great riders right there. 
main events. So. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I was talking about this with a guy yesterday, and I really feel that uh, Will Hahn kind of got the, you know, he, he was, I don't want to, I'm not going to use the word lucky because it definitely wasn't luck winning a title, but um, he probably was the most fortunate, I think, of everyone. Like, he got a really, really good ride. Um, and I think he was kind of on, on the bubble, to be honest, of guys that could have gone to that, you know, factory, factory satellite level or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think he deserved it. I, I think Will's a great guy. He's one of my favorite guys in the paddock. But when you're just looking at it objectively, man, it could have it could have really gone either way, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, really, right. Um, uh, the, sorry, the, 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 something that the Rockstar team is, is used to is is going to be what they're going to get used to have to get used to is the um, KTM factory services program which is what the BTO sports team uses um right. and that's basically maybe one level down from Ryan Dungey or some parts share Ryan Dungey's uh, expertise maybe they go in and they tweak a little bit in shop but the stuff is uh for purchase by approved teams and riders and it's a super cool program and Rockstar Racing is going to be part of that now yeah, it's a cool thing that the factories have kind of moved to. Yamaha, I think, kind of led that charge. Uh, Honda's obviously done it here and there. Um, you know, it, the the thing about it is, is it's, they're very selective. Um, I don't want uh, the public to just think, oh, yeah, you can go buy factory parts from these teams, because you definitely can't. Uh, they're very selective on who, who this is available to and who it's not. But having said that, uh, the, the days of complete factory, like, unobtainium stuff where only a few guys in the whole, you know, mm-hmm. pits, had stuff like that are kind of over. Yeah, uh, You can go uh, to, you know, dozens of trucks, it seems like, in the pits and find factory parts here and there, whether they purchased them or not. Yeah, uh, That yeah. stuff kind of getting spread out. And it's good to see. I mean, those guys are, you know, there's a lot of deserving guys of really good parts and, and it adds a little bit of a level playing field to, uh, you know, the days of work spikes and, and that kind of separation where, you had no chance to beat the rider simply because his motorcycle was so good. You know, those days are kind of over. Yeah. 702-586-7857. Give us a call if you want to talk to uh, Jason Thomas or myself. Um, yeah, I agree. It's kind of cool. The one thing Yamaha Yamaha offered the same thing when they pulled their factory team away, but in talking to the star guys and the valley guys and the and um, a couple other teams back then, they wanted way too much money. Teams are like, we'd love to buy the stuff. It's 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 outrageous, and I don't know what the KTM stuff is, but it seems to be reasonable enough where it's working out, you know, where people want it. So um, it's kind of a cool program. Yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, uh, I'm sure the the teams or the factories can use the extra income. Um, the teams benefit because they get really competitive equipment. So um, uh, yeah, kind of win win. All right, let's let's move on to Utah this weekend. And Briggs wants to talk about it here. Uh, Briggs, what's up, man? That's what's guys. How's it going? Good. Thanks for calling. Um, hey, question. Um, with Utah being kind of a big question mark on, I guess, every facet of it, it's the first time we're kind of going to uh, a race car type track and doing a motocross race there. Um, and obviously there's been projections that this was going to be a wave of the future. What happens if this round is a bust? Uh, do they have a multi-year deal? Do they, are they locked in already for next year? Um, and if it is bad and people don't like it, um, does this open up the option that potentially Southwick potentially could come back in next year now that they have well, some of their ducks in a row? Southwick's already been told that not for 2014. They're definitely not coming on. I would think Utah would have a two- or three-year deal. We'll see how it goes. I don't know, like Briggs, I don't know if it's the wave of the future. I, I You know, they went to Muddy Creek this year. 
So, you know, that's not where they went. They didn't chose to go to another track, um, you know, man-made track in the, in a car oval. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a bust. I, I mean, I already predict. I mean, JT, you can probably get with me on this. You agree with me on this. The uh, the riders aren't going to like it, or they're going to be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and I don't think that matters. To be honest, to be honest <laughs> with you, I don't think that it matters whether the riders like the track or not. Uh, and just from you know, I live fairly close to that race now, and I'm certainly in contact with a lot of uh, dealers and and people that are close to it. I think it's going to be successful as far as um, you know the. Basically, the spectator turnout and uh, the reception it gets. I, I know that Utah as a state is very, very receptive to this kind of stuff. Like they really try hard to make it successful, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it is going to be successful. Now, whether the riders like it and the fans like it, uh, as far as watching on TV and whether they think it's a good move to go to these man-made tracks or not, I really don't think that's a factor. You know, whether that's <laughs> whether that's good or not, I don't know, but I don't think that's a factor. It's- as far as my wave of the future uh, statement, I guess, I remember reading something a couple of years ago, like they were, um, you know, projecting where motocross and supercross was going to go. And I remember one of the things they said in it was they were saying potentially like doing it at a NASCAR event, like doing, you know, all summer long, maybe one complete series. Um, it was just a projection somebody did. I don't know, remember yeah. where, who did it or who wrote it, but, you know, having it in a, you know, Something like that, you know. Obviously, you bring more spectators in when you combine it with something like that, and yeah, you know, create well, stuff like that. But I mean, you, you know, want to you want to appeal to corporate America. You want to get their dollars in. You, you know, you can tell them to show up at um, Syracuse, drive two hours. Uh, the pits will be muddy. Uh, their loafers will get muddy. Um, come sponsor this series. Um, and there's, there's certainly a part of that that needs to stay the same. But I can also understand the part of like, hey, we're 20 minutes from a uh, city. We have paved pits. We have air conditioning. Um, we have um, great viewing. It's all sort of super cross-ish. There's a part, for, there's a part in the sport for that also. You know? I, I, I agree. I mean, the infrastructure alone and the accommodation, the paddock. I yes, mean, yes. There's a lot that. of, you know, we have a motocross track up here that does a race at a, it's Swain MX, and they do it at a ski resort. Okay. Um, and it's probably like Mammoth as well. But it's meant because, like, you know, the the, the vending's all paved. You know, they have the um, chairlift that the spectators can ride up on and see a whole different perspective to motocross. I mean, I've been on the sport for 30 years, and I've never seen a aspect of that, but you know, just that kind of mentality behind it brings a whole nother, you know, I guess when you go to a race, you know, some people don't want to stop through mud and stuff like that. They want to have, you know, kind of the more lavish and, you know, I, I love motocross and I eat, sleep and breathe it. So either way, I'm, I'm good with it. But I guess whatever we have to do to help the sport grow. But I just want to know what you guys, you know, thought about that kind of stuff. And if, if you know, more places are going to pop up like Miller Motorsports, that's going to, you know, want to say, hey, let us, let us try this. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's a good question. If more more things are going to pop up, what do you think, JT? Um, yeah, I'm going to need a. Sorry, I'm going to need a little uh, summary of that. <laughs> uh, do you think that this is the is this bad for the sport, and is this the way of way of the future? Um, I don't know if it's bad or not. I just think uh, I, I think it has pros and cons. Um, Anytime you get really far away from the, you know, the roots of the sport, you're going to hear it from the fans and 
uh, obviously the fans are kind of, you know, those are guys spending money and those are guys that kind of make the sport go. Um, so I don't want to, you know, I definitely don't want to see it get away from that side of it, but moving to more professional facilities and uh, facilities where you can bring in corporate people and they feel like they have a, an environment that they can be comfortable in and they can really present the sport. Uh, and that angle is also an important factor. Um, also, too, JT, sorry to interrupt you, but like I was talking about earlier, you know, we had Sandtrack, Southwick, we have a Sandtrack. We have Unadilla, the natural, uh, ripped-up, deep East Coast track. We have uh, Hangtown, Southern California, Elsinore. Like, in a way, this Utah track, it's presented as a, a you know, it's going to be hard pack, it's going to be jumpy. Maybe we get some different results because riders are better at it. Maybe it's just a... A, like a road course in NASCAR where we see some specialists, and I don't know if I want to go that far, but you know what I mean? It offers a different take to a series of a 12 rounds. Well, yeah, I think uh, we definitely need to have some <clears throat> um, a little bit of differentiation in the tracks, too. Uh, I know, you know, that was talked about a little bit earlier this week is all the tracks are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've all hauled in sand, and they've all kind of gone to this uh, – a singular version of what motocross should be. And I'm not really uh, necessarily a fan of that. Um, I think one of the great things that, um, you know, I hate to say it, but the GPs do is they have that. Um, and we could have that too. We have different tracks that are all over the country in different soils, but uh, I, I like that. I think it makes it, um, you know, changes it up and you have guys that are going to be stronger at this track than they are at that track and mm-hmm. guys that excel in this condition versus that. Um, so I, I think this kind of offers that, you know, we go to a place we've never been in a, a different style of track, um, you know, go, you know, I hate to see Southwood go away. That's, that's for sure. But, um, I think the rotation idea where we can kind of bring in new tracks and kind of keep the old ones around, we don't, you know, keep them, you know, we don't end it forever, but basically rotating tracks and kind of expanding, you know, the, the idea of motocross that we know it as now is, is a good thing also. Yeah. Briggs, um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be okay. I, I think this will be fine. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's the future, but I think why not? Like you said with your ski resort track, why not try it, man? So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. hey, one one more quick thing, just food for thought. Yeah. Um, JGR has a good relationship with Yamaha. Yes. Let's just say Chad Reed goes Yamaha. What's the chances of a team like JGR having multiple satellites, kind of like he they do in NASCAR, like they have like three or four drivers that all carry right. their own flag? Well, like two two motorsports with JGR backing and Yamaha support. JGR have their team, and then maybe a couple other teams. You know, start to see stuff like that. I got satellite teams off of a satellite team, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I think there's a, there's a chance to see it. I just think their money isn't there. You know what I mean to do it right now. But I know JGR. They do lease motors out if you want to. They'll 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 charge you and build you a motor and everything else. Um, I just don't think like and this is one thing that kind of. Our sport is uh, is awesome, and I love it. It's all I know, and it's it's a great thing. But if, J- if Joe Gibbs Racing, all they can do is slap on Toyota for a title sponsor. Now, I'm sure Toyota pays a lot of money, and it's great for them. But it's more or less, you know, comes from the NASCAR end of things. I get depressed when I think about how Joe Gibbs Racing cannot pull in a uh, a Snickers, a uh, Little Debbie. Um, JT, what's your favorite snack brand? Uh, Powerball. What? Power bar. They can't pull in a power bar. You know what I mean, Briggs? Like, I, I get a little, a little worried for our sport when when somebody who's so wired into corporate America just can't pull in anything other than Toyota. 
So I, I, I agree. I actually, uh, I sent uh, Chad a tweet, just, you know, kind of, you know, fans sent a James or uh, Chad a tweet about why don't any teams have airline companies as a sponsor? To me, it would wipe out a whole budget as far as airlines. I mean, you figure these teams fly five, six people every single weekend. That would be free. You yeah, know but if you, like, work out a sponsorship with an airline well, that it's you easy, have a partnership it's, it's, with. It's, it's easy to say, but if you're an airline company, you'd probably first go with NASCAR. Or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? You don't, like, see, any, you don't yeah. see any involvement in IndyCar, NASCAR, nothing. I don't so, see the airlines doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're pretty Chad, far down the line. Chad responded back with something that they won't touch anything that crashes. So to me, it sounded oh, okay. like he's already, he's already went down that road and they just won't touch anything that. Yeah. Uh, to me, like, like, I don't understand. Like, with the resources they have, you would think that they would be open to it. Whether, yeah, even on the NASCAR end, you know what I'm saying? Hey, fly yeah. the. Fly the airlines that all your, you know, NASCAR drivers right, right. fly, which mm-hmm. they all fly private, so that's not really the case. But well, they could, they um, could, they could I mean, nobody knows that or whatever. The general public doesn't know that. But um, yeah, that's a good we're, point. We're so you know. far down the line, right? Too, as far as getting deals like that, uh, as far as importance to, if they're going to open up to motorsports at all, we're really far down. That's that's yeah. the yeah. truth of it. I just feel like we're so homegrown. Like, yeah, we're not F one and we're not NASCAR, but yet. We're also more in touch with our fans. You know what I'm saying? Chad Reed goes to Ride Days or goes to Dade City. Um, I mean, I feel that motocross is still like kind of homegrown and still in touch where you saw that personable right. relationship between the fans where NASCAR and F1 are on a, such a different level that you're kind of not even in the same wheelhouse as your fans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'll let you guys well, go. Yeah. Food for thought. You guys have a great show. Thanks, Briggs. Thanks. Thanks for the call. I mean, he's got a point. Um, but yeah, it's, I, yeah. it's, it's so far. I, I think he has a point, but at the same time, this sport is always going to be an enthusiast sport. Uh, no matter how much we want to make it like NASCAR, or Formula One, or Indy cars, yeah. it's still going to be it's going to be an enthusiast sport. Most people can't relate to it, uh, and they just see it as an extreme sport that's cool to watch. But you know, right. they would never do that. So. Yeah, it's it's a little depressing when you take you know all we hear is a. Uh, how awesome our numbers for speed are, and NBC Sports and fuel, and everyone's watching and. And, you know, Ralph is lighting candles and everything's great. But then you look at our sport and you're like, okay, energy drinks and Joe Gibbs has Toyota. Like, you're like, we're, we're, we're clearly, we're not, you know, Chad Reed can't get a, a well, I guess, I mean, discount tire is pretty big, but they're not title, I don't think. Right. And so. also, you know, the, to expand on what he was saying about the satellite upon a satellite, I mean, you know, as well as I do, JGR is still really looking for a title sponsor. Yeah. Let alone a, a branched off satellite team. You know, they can't even consider that, you know, yeah. until, they, no. until you're extremely well funded in your own efforts. The passion is there. I mean, the pulp show and this show and, and, and everything I do and Racer X has all, you know, this is incredible numbers and people listen and love it and we all love it and listen to all this stuff and I appreciate it. But so the, the, the people in corporate America aren't, aren't paying attention. Um, right. Tony's got a question here. Tony, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Thanks. Thanks for calling. Um, listen, uh, I just called just to mention, because I know you guys didn't talk about it. What do you guys think about that last attempt that Donji was trying to put on Weimer? You, I mean, I think I think I, he kind of missed the rocks or something. Or I know if Jake, me, if Jake Weimer would have let go a little bit, I'll bet you would have been pretty bad. Um. 
Are you talking about like with three turns left or four turns left in that left hand? Corner? Yeah, yeah, right on the last turn, right. like where Dungey goes kind of inside of yeah. Weimer. Yeah, and uh-huh. he wow. kind of there was an inside rub, but he kind of just went right outside where Weimer Weimer was too. Well, I mean, I don't, I didn't see anything wrong with it, but y- you know, Dungey's isn't scared to put Weimer on the ground. We saw him Supercross a couple times. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, he probably wasn't. Yeah, he probably wasn't scared to do it. I didn't see anything wrong with it, JT. Did you? I mean, I just saw a guy. Trying to make a last ditch attempt to, to to get into second overall. Uh, no, I definitely I definitely didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I, I think at that point, you know, short of just completely cleaning the guy out, it's, it's right. you know, whatever I mean, whatever it takes really. We we saw the San Francisco thing with DV and JT, and that was all fine. That's all. Yeah, yeah. totally. I was I was completely hey, uh, understanding about it. <laughs> yes. What well, I, I don't know if I can talk about it in this segment because this is the Moto sixty. But I was going to ask you about um, the Racer X. Do you guys put it up? Because I was trying to kind of look it up, but I couldn't oh. find it anywhere. What, the, the the website? No, the Racer no, the, X. The review. Oh, the review. Oh, the review. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Jason Thomas and Jason Wygant screwed everybody out of that. So, oh, come to, on, well, man. Together oh, in, like. a te- in a team effort, they both got really busy, and it never happened. So Okay. Okay, I guess. Yeah, sorry, bro. Time. Yeah. yeah well, it's okay. Hi, you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's true, JT. It was a perfect storm of unavailability yeah, this hey, week. Whatever you want to say. People are angry, and I just want to make sure that I don't get all that anger on me. Uh, Ryan wants to talk about energy drinks. we still got a lot more to talk about here on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show uh, presented by 810 Solutions. But for now, Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, sorry to beat a dead horse about this energy drink sponsorship deal, but I, I'm just sitting here listening, and I'm kind of curious. I mean, I've been following motocross really heavy since about 04, 05. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was motocross before energy drinks? Like, who paid to race? Like, who hosted series? Like, how did, <laughs> how did it even work? You know what well, I mean? Because like, energy drinks drive the sport, like, it's, ridiculously. It's Don't you good, agree? No, you're, you're right. They do. And, and, and even JT can attest to this. There's energy drink guys that don't know much about racing, but they're picking riders. They're picking right. who goes on a team. It's it's insane these days. Uh, you know, sometimes riders uh, get on a team because they're, I don't know, more marketable, quote-unquote. It's a little ridiculous. Right. But, no, we had Chevy Trucks that sponsored um, – uh, Chevy Trucks sponsored the Outdoors for a number of years. Um, they sponsored yep. Kawasaki. We had uh, EA oh. Sports for a, a year or two. Yep. Um what else, JT? Who paid for the Who paid for the teams? Though I mean, every team has like an energy drink uh-huh. logo, and I think to myself, like, at some point, this is going to go away, whether energy drinks are illegal or you know down the road. And if we just you know rely on these for so long, and we might distance oh, we ourselves have... from you know well, truck I, manufacturers I it, and other things too. You know what I mean? I think a, a big a big part of that was uh, bike sales, and all those sales were a lot stronger. Years ago, oh, okay, uh, yep, that makes sense. The softest, softest time we've ever had for sales like that. So, yeah, I, I completely right. agree. We are dependent on them, and if things don't turn around and we stay dependent on them, if anything ever happened with the FDA or anything like that, and they had to go away, it would be. Uh, do you remember? Uh, it would be a bad time for our sport. Do you remember JT, the guy from Boost Mobile or Amped at the at the awards banquet, said that they're in for the long haul. They're taking it international and. And boot, Amped is here to stay, and then like, ah, but a month later they filed for bankruptcy. That was awesome. Well, yeah, that's crazy. That guy, I mean, that, that guy basically cashed out. He made uh, like 198 million off of uh, his deal and sold out. And then basically the new ownership kind of was like, nah, we don't really want to do that. 
Okay, yeah, perfect. I mean, if you think about it, like, you love him or hate him, like a guy like Josh Hansen, why would he bust his ass and race dirt bikes when he can wear a Monster logo and whip a dirt bike and get paid better? You know what I mean? I don't know about better because he was making about three hundred grand a year. Um, but but hours. he can he can make yeah he can he he can make a good living a good living in right that's what that's what yeah. I mean whether it's and, you know and, peas or carrots you right. know what I mean it's and, still just for being who he is you know it's kind of crazy don't you think and a guy like J Lock can get into X Games just because of his personality you know yeah. he makes more of a you know he's more of a figure in the sport to the corporate world than say Malcolm Stewart but Malcolm Stewart could you know yeah and. I don't know. I totally agree with that, but I got your point for sure. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Jaywell's right. a very tough sell right now. What's that? Jaywell's a very tough sell right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think Hanson, Hanson is a little bit more marketable because he's kind of everywhere. The guy was oh. on MTV and all this stuff. Jaywell, I don't know about corporate you know, sell, like yeah. that guy was saying. Um, uh, hey, you're listening to the Fly, Fly, Moto, Fly Racing Moto 60 show uh, presented by 810 Solutions. And uh, Jason Thomas is on the line right now. Does does this Utah track? No one's ridden it. Well, Chad rode Chad, Chad Reed rode Press Day, but does it favor anybody? Do you like? Do you think it? it I mean, and even in, in a sense of like a guy like Weston Pike who seems to ride the West Coast stuff good, but it's got a lot of jumps. So maybe I'm thinking like Josh Grant. Is there anybody that comes to mind that that, that it favors? Yeah, I think all the all the California guys, Jake Weimer especially. Um, you know, the, the, just the West Coast desert, you know, high desert, rock hard, uh, elevation, elevation, you know, guys, are. I think they're going to do well. I think the track's going to turn out to be very similar to what kind of Lake Elsinore is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's going to probably be decent and then get harder and harder as the day goes on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I fully expect guys like Weston Pike and Weimer and uh, the hard pack guys to do really well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I think we'll see that. Um, hey, um, thanks, everybody, for listening right now. We appreciate it. It's uh, 2014, so that means it's an exciting new gear time of the year, and Fly Racing has released its 2014 lineup of racewear. Fly Racing's line, once again, continues to elevate racewear technology, fit, and finish with revolutionary designs, exclusive technology, such as the 2D buckle system, zipper lock system, and more. Also got magnetic technology, JT, have you heard? Uh, I, I may have caught something about that in one right. of the catalogs. Uh, it represents a new level of innovation in performance racewear. Fly Racing 2014, available right now. Um, love this stuff right now. Shorty and Canard are looking sharp uh, in some of the stuff. Flat black helmets? Eh, okay, whatever. But the other stuff? Killer. Um, A10 Solutions, your one-stop source for the finest performance products for your body. A10 Solutions offers Rhino Power, the proven performance supplements used by dozens of motocross athletes. And as well, they carry the full line of Brop Energy Bars, allowing athletes and the benefits of great testing, gluten, and soy-free energy source. Perfect for a snack or during a workout. The number 810solutions.com, 15% off your entire order. Uh, check them out there. Jason Thomas on the line with us. Uh, JT, okay, so uh, Ryan Villapoto announced that he is out for the Motocosta Nations. And uh, we may, uh, we got some of your take on this on the Pulp Show, but he is racing the Monster Energy Cup. So my question to you, should his fans, should fans of motocross in general, do they have a right to be a little peeved at this? Yeah, but I, I to be completely honest with you, if they want to be mad at anyone, I think they should probably direct that anger at Monster because I really, really feel that was their call. Okay. 
I really do. I, and I'm, that's completely my opinion. No one's told me that. I haven't. Yeah. I'm just completely deducing that from the timeline, and they had to basically make a call which race was more important. Yes, and uh, he's chosen it. It's the race in Las Vegas. Um, I, I, I myself don't care. I understand it. It's the way the world works. But if someone said, hey, I'm pissed that he's doing this, I'd be like, I understand completely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm bummed too. I know we're you know we're traveling to, to that race together, and I'm bummed. Um, but yeah. you know that's the world yeah. we live in, and and uh, sponsorship dollars drive decisions. Basically, I, uh, what it comes to. I originally thought he was going to miss the Monster Cup. I find out now it's not. He's not. He's unless I mean unless there's unless there's complications, but he's going. So yeah, and it's really tough. I think on these guys to uh, to have to ride outdoors for a full month after the season ends. Um, yeah, that is you know, tough to stay motivated, right? Yeah, like, and, and I mean, the, you know, once outdoors are over, you're done with outdoor. You know, yeah. so once the last race, ride outdoors again until the next springtime. So right. they have to stay in that training mode and riding outdoors, and and I'm sure they'll be testing for that kind of surface over there and all that stuff is yeah, it's kind of cumbersome. I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't envy that position of those guys. Also, no money in it for them, no nothing. Like they're, right. you know, just a yeah, lot of totally just for pride. A lot of if you lose, you suck. You can only win. That's it. Yeah. It's not like Team yeah. Canada where it's like, ah, hey, good job, guys. You know, it's you can only win if you're on Team USA. Yeah. And, we have uh, uh, arguably the farthest travel, you know, of any of the main teams, mm-hmm. maybe Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a huge undertaking. The timing is terrible for our our season. Uh, so there's really, I mean, other than you know, obviously it's the motocross of nations, so everybody wants to go there and win. Especially after the you know how bad it went last year. There's a lot of negatives about the event that you know kind of have to be overcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember as a mechanic, you know, our last national at Steel City, we'd be testing Supercross on Thursday, the next Thursday. Uh, everything was gone away, you know. And now these guys, oh no. We need you to do two or three motos a week, you know. We need you to stay on top of things, everything. So, yeah, the timing yeah, does suck. Not only for the yeah. team, yeah, the teams, I mean, the budgets, every everything. It's, uh, you know, yeah. obviously it's, it's a hugely important race, and I'm very uh, prideful of that race. Um, but I can I can completely understand how much of a pain in the butt it is for everybody that yeah. has to go over there, you know, and that's involved. Does this help Canada at all? Uh, I think Canada needs more help than we have time to discuss on this show. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Hey, I wanted to talk about your breakdown article. Is that what it's called? Breakdown? That yeah, is. Uh, yeah. Breakdown on Racer X this week. Um, you, uh, you yourself, and some, some, some people were talking about Eli Tomac. And I mean, look, the guy, the guy's on six motos in a row. He had the fastest time in Unadilla out of anybody uh, on a 250F. Uh, your, your article on breakdown, uh, of course, it got some angry comments as well. But uh, generally speaking, uh, I thought it was great. And can you talk about a little bit about what you think Eli Tomac's doing to uh, maybe separate himself a little bit? Uh, yeah, and, and obviously that was the, kind of the focus of the article. Um, and, man, some of the comments on that, those articles make me really angry. Uh, for, <laughs> you got to let go. Basically, you, yeah, you gotta let this well, go. for you, me, and Wygant, I, I think they're incredibly ridiculous, a lot of them. But uh, basically my thoughts were is when I watch them ride, he really has this kind of uh, like a crouched over look, which I've, you know, I've done it on a mountain bike. I see it on mountain bikes, but obviously with his going up. Things. Huh? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, all right, we'll get back to JT here. Um, Jason, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Steve? What's happening? Oh, not much. 
just getting ready for Utah. All right. What do you want to talk about? Well, I just I live in Utah and I've raced at Tooele before they actually made Motorsports Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, the dirt down there is horrible. But just, uh, I mean, as a base, and I understand yeah. they're laying topsoil. Yeah, they're bringing. And, they're they're working on it for sure. Yeah, they're not yeah, using the. But like, yeah. Sorry, but like you said, you know, if it does get pushed off towards the end of the day, I can just see it getting rock hard and. Yeah. Once you put water on it, it just becomes an ice rink. So. Well, you know, too, uh, and we saw this with Lake Elsinore. It, it, yeah. There's such a fine line. There's like 10 minutes where it's perfect. Otherwise, it's overwatered or dry and slippery. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard with the sun and the wind and the weather to keep that dirt anywhere near good. Yeah. But, it's supposed but, to be hot, and it is usually windy. So, But here's what I think, Jason. I just think, like, that's another added um, – difficulty for the riders you know what i mean yeah. like, it's another surface that we don't have in any of the other 11 nationals and it's gonna be tricky but i agree it, it, yeah if you want to talk uh, jason thomas is back on the line uh, there isn't anybody who hated elsinore more than jason thomas last yeah. year well so i'm all for the i'm all for the race especially since they right. took the supercross away i yeah. am really excited about it and oh, i hope that you know the the actual Motorsports Park is great. I've been there a few times, and yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. How far from the airport? Uh, twenty minutes, maybe. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, all right, it's Jason. Not far at all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, JT, you're back. So, can you kind of talk a little bit? We lost you. Um, uh, basically, Eli Tomac rides his. Uh, you see the the posture on a motorcycle a lot, like mountain biking. Yeah, sorry, you got a lot of cell phones, but um. Anyway, I just it's something I've been noticing, and it's really like the way he approaches kind of the bumps uh, and the really rough sections. You, you can just kind of see him and his line choices and how he really is staying at the top of the, of the stroke with the bike. Is he's really not doing anything to lose momentum, uh, and that's a huge uh, key on a mountain to want to escape all of the bumps that are coming towards you and choose lines that are going to flow the best. Because uh, obviously, on a bicycle. Um, regaining momentum is incredibly tough. So right. uh, it's just something that I kind of have noticed and picked up on. And, you know, when when a guy starts to catch fire and is two and three seconds better in time practice than everyone and faster even than the 450s, you obviously want to kind of... Uh, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah, you just try to figure out how is he doing that. Uh, and that's just something I've kind of seen is uh, he, he's really... Uh, kind of making his own technique out there. And you, you watch across the field, and you don't see anyone else doing anything like that. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, starting to think there's something to it. So you see a lot of mountain biking, a lot, a lot of pre-jumping, a lot of uh, pre-loading, that sort of stuff. Yeah, just yeah. just the way he loads the suspension, and, and he almost kind of anticipates the bump to where the bike doesn't get low into the stroke uh, and then so you know soak up all of that speed that he basically has built up where he'll stay in the top of the stroke, kind of absorb that bump with his body and almost kind of manual, manualing the bike a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, The well, bike's not slowing down. He's so tall that I, I've noticed it too, but I, I've kind of noticed it in a different way. I wrote, like, he seems to be able to put the bike anywhere he needs it to. He'll pull a wheelie, put the front end down over here, you know what I mean, and over on the backside of a little braking bump or something. And he's, right. so, and I, and he's so big. But my question is, can he do it on a 450? Yeah, and somebody on the comments told me I'm an idiot, and he rides like that only because he's tall. But I, I've watched Wyndham ride. I've watched Travis Preston ride. I've watched yeah. David Dillman ride. Right. And none of those guys 
crouch over and ride like that. Right. Wyndham sits straight up and down. Travis Preston, I don't even know what he's doing. He's got legs and arms going everywhere. Villeman yeah. um, too. So I Villeman's really, good. Yeah, yeah, I really don't think that that's just because he's tall. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think it's a technique, and I think it's something he's kind of developed on his own, and he's kind of figured out that uh, allows him to carry more speed around the track. So um, I think there's going to be growing pains on a 450. I think uh, 450 outdoors are going to go better than 450 supercross will for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this that kind of uh, his technique favors outdoors a little bit better, uh, and I think he can ride the bike that aggressively, similar to what Bill Photo is doing. Mm-hmm. On the on the outdoors, uh, you know, so definitely. I think I think uh, the next two years, you know, Bill Poto's probably only got two years left, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Tomac Tomac's going to be in that conversation. Um, I've, I've argued with a few people about that, but I really really feel that he's going to be capable of getting in that Ryan talk, which you know nobody right. else is really doing right now. Yeah, uh, breakdown Racer X online. I think it went up on Tuesday, right? Check it out, everybody. Um, Chuck wants to ask about Chad Reed. Chuck, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? What's your question about Chad Reed? Hey, I just got a question because I was thinking about it. So Chad Reed already has factory uh, support from Honda, right? Yes. So why would he want to switch manufacturers? Only because of money? You think that's his only gain? I mean, why would you want to, well, as you say, like unzip your pants and put your balls out on the handlebars? Why would he want to do that if he already uh, well, knows his bike works? Oh, Chuck, unzipping the balls has nothing to do with, with Chad Reed switching <laughs> bikes, but... I get it, but thank well, it you. is a ballsy move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But thank you for using my euphemism, you know, in any <laughs> manner possible. Um, really, I think it boils down to money. I think I don't think he's that happy with the performance of his Honda. Okay. I th- and I think he he's looking. He, his team is very expensive to run. I think uh-huh. that he would want bikes, works bikes for him, works bikes for a teammate, and possibly cash. You know, Yamaha. These eleven ten races, uh, uh, Nfab, Yamaha, uh, Velocity yeah. three, they got cash from Yamaha. Now, of course, in two, oh, wow. two of those three situations, it didn't it didn't work out. It blew up, but right. there was actual money involved in that. And so, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think if you're Chad JT, maybe you can uh, maybe you're, you're thinking differently. But I think it's just I want some money. Uh, I think that's a little bit of it, but I really think, and I've heard this from numerous riders, is they are not in love with the current Honda. They're really not. Um, really? I think, yeah, and, I, and I've heard that from basically everyone at, on some level that is on that factory bike. That you know, it's just basically what happens with new models is there's kinks and and things they don't like and bugs they have to work out. And uh, for Chad, he doesn't have a ton of time left, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's looking for a bike where he feels like he can do better and, and he's not going to have to develop the thing. You know, it's kind of already ready to go. Uh, That's what I was curious about yeah. because the, the new Yamaha is going to come out, right? This is a brand new year, brand new everything, right? No, no, no. 450 is pretty much the same. I mean, cha- a frame change and stuff, but nothing nothing radical. I think if Chad is thinking about the bike, though, I, I, I do I do think back to 2009. Oh, it's, defi- it's a definite. Yeah, right, it's- right. Definitely, that's part of the equation. Yeah, and I think back to 2009 when when no one would ride that bike, and then in 2010, you know, you talk to Andrew Short or whoever, and they're like, David Millsaps, they loved it. They le- Honda learned a lot from data acquisition, and they they made a lot of okay. changes, and so you know, there's always that that like, the thing will get better, you know. Gotcha. Well, so, I think I think that was a huge part of the Tomac uh, situation too. Was right. he wasn't in love with the 450 either, you know, and that. 
uh, you know, in the in the end, he kind of agreed with what Steve is saying. How they'll figure it out, and it's going to get it's going to come around. Um, but it did raise some questions for him, like you know, if I don't love this bike right now, is this the road I want to go down? Yeah, don't uh, don't that kind of don't don't forget kind of he, 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 uh, he he had a factory bike when he started Supercross, and by Daytona, it was a very production looking Honda. Yeah, he had actually kind of bike back. <laughs> right, uh, right, he went you know he went with more of the settings he wanted to run on a production bike. So uh, there definitely is that side to it. And it's not its not a knock on Honda. Every manufacturer goes through this. Um, to revolutionize bikes, sometimes, you know, there's, there's growing pains. So uh, um, do you, one of those things where new is not always better. You know, it will be better, but right. maybe not right off. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks, Dave. Or Chuck, thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, JT, will Chad Reed be on another brand next year? I really don't know. Um, if you're in Vegas, being, which you're, you're, you're going to be in transparent. You're going to be in Vegas yeah. in two weeks. If, if you you're, you're going to make me bet, put money down, I would say he'll be on a different manufacturer. I do too. I, I would too. If you had to make me bet, um, but I don't think it's a shoe in by any means or anything like that. No, but, yeah, no. Yeah. I and I have literally no idea which one it will be. Right, right. But if I had to bet, I would say it'd be a different one. Last thing I heard was uh, RCH. Maybe, maybe go back. And he did tweet about folding his team up. So there's got to be something there. He uh, and I can honestly, I can honestly tell you that I'm one. I don't want to say 100, percent but close to it, positive that he has been in discussions with every manufacturer out there. Right, right. Um, every everyone. Um. Hey. So okay. Couple, couple quickly things before we wrap up here on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. I don't know if you've been paying attention, JT, but there is a big battle for sixth in the 450 outdoors. Um. Now, granted, 10 years from now. None of this will matter, and no one will care. Josh Granted? But Andrew Short's 220. Jake Weimer's 216. Tickle is 209. Grant is 208. And Alessi is 204. 16 points between um, – my math's bad, but that's five riders. Um, who gets it? Who gets the coveted sixth spot? Uh, man, that's Grant's, a lot of Grant's, a lot of variables and a lot of riders. To Grant's on a roll right now. Uh, Short's doing all right. Weimer had a good race. Tickle, decent. It's interesting. Who's going to get that sixth spot? Which, again, means I'm going to take just, just I like him, and I, it's, it's Who? Uh, Your phone broke easy up. for me to pick up. I'm going to take Andrew Short. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, he was definitely a little bit um, – um, didn't have a great Alcinor last year, but that was more due he was sickness. Uh, last call on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Sorry for the rest of you guys that are on – Hold right now. Um, Dave, you had something to talk about um, with um, Eli Tomac's riding style? Eli? Yeah, JT, I think JT hit it on the button. You asked uh, Eli Monday when he was on your show a question about that, uh, about coming into turns, how he preloads, you know, uh, some of the braking bumps and how it jumps over him and stuff. I don't know if you probably don't remember that, but I no, remember I listening to yeah. the show, and uh, he mentioned that to you when you asked him a question about some of that, so... I mean, it goes into what JT is, you know, exactly saying. So, you know. Yeah, but Dave, those people on the those the the comments don't agree with that. Oh, who cares, man? You know how that. <laughs> like you said, you say it all the time, you know. So it's just, you know. Right. But JT's JT's good. A lot of his articles are really, really, really good. Right on, right on spot. So. Oh wow! Thanks, man. You Big up to you, JT. You should become a you should become a racer X commenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, thanks, all right, Dave. that's all I want to Thank say, you. man. All right, Dave's just backing you up, JT. Um, I love it. 
Uh, definitely Eli on the show, on Pulp Mech Show on Monday, 6 p.m., by the way, uh, Pacific. Uh, Tits and I will be here every Monday, just about. Um, Eli didn't really find the um, RCH talk very humorous at all. About no, possibly not, going a, to, not a fan. Not possibly going to RCH. Was it Berluti the reason why he didn't go? Um, you know, did he not like the bike? How did he look on the bike? He, Eli wasn't having any of that. So um, I may or may not have to go up to him and find him and say sorry for that talk this weekend. Well, yeah, and you got to be careful because it's like breach of contract stuff there too. Ah, but actually the owner of Geico and I spoke this week, and they gave him permission to ride in a, a, other bikes. They did or Honda did? Uh, he said they. We. He said we. Because they actually. We. We. Geico, Honda, we gave him permission to ride other bikes. Okay. So, anyways, whatever. I oh, never. I never. So really yeah. Heard. Yeah. No. There's I no. It. There's no upside of him. No. Even talk about it. No, just laughter for us. Um. Thank yeah. you, Jason Thomas, uh, Fly Racing, um, uh, and the BTO Sports VIP KTM VIP program head of that program as well, and uh, Racer X online con- con- contributor. Um. Uh, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys. All right, thanks. Uh, all right, everybody, that has been another episode of uh, the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by 810 Solutions. Don't forget Fly Racing, some of the uh, coolest stuff out there. 2014 is available now. 810 Solutions, the number 810solutions.com. Type in Pulpamex to save 15%. Rhino, Global Rhino Power Supplements, and Rot Bar. That's where you go for that stuff. Utah. Tits, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much are you looking forward to Utah? The exact same as any other national. How much are you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much are you looking forward to the fact that this is the uh, third last Fly Racing Moto 60 show for the year? Um, three. <laughs> Stop it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening on this Thursday. We appreciate it. See you next week.